Let's turn to the book of James. James chapter 3. Speaking of James. Hey, James. <laughs> James chapter 3. Um, let me say this. We, we made it, right? Made it through the week. Um, same, same things are true this week that were true last week as far as the kingdom of God. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I said this in the first service, and, and I think every... Every time I would see this week that the anchors on the news standing in front of their big smart boards with the maps and the touching the blue state and the red state and the this and then this and then this. And I just was looking at how busted it all is. And man, I'm so glad that my hope is not in that, you know, um, just so grateful that God has freed us from being bound to that and that the political world can play the right role in our lives. I don't, so I don't, I'm not being dismissive of, of anything because the political world determines a lot of quality of life things for people. And, uh, and so I'm not being dismissive of it. I'm just saying uh, it's not ultimate, right? It doesn't have the final word um, and that God rules over that. And I want to talk for a few minutes this morning as I was praying toward this weekend um, about God, what is... I, what, what is your word for the Living Hope family? Um, one of the one of the ideas I keep seeing out there among believers is reminding each other of our call to be peacemakers. And I want to focus in on that this morning. In Matthew five, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this. He makes a lot of profound statements. The Sermon on the Mount. This is one of them. He says, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God." And Daughters of God, you you have your way in there as well. That the children of God uh, are peacemakers. It's part of what we get to do. But it's not always easy to do it. Um, we know that a part of our ambassadorship um, as like God's like kingdom citizens who are living here in America to represent the interests of our king, the king of kings, uh, and his kingdom, a part of that involves peacemaking and uh, right now, there's a lot of that that's necessary. And so I want to just walk us through uh, kind of a framework for what that can look like for us. Uh, and there's four, there's four big, like four main points. First main point is that in order to be a peacemaker, we have to know what actual peace uh, means. We have to know what peace means. We tend to think of peace as the, the absence of conflict or chaos or or whatever, like it's, let's get things back to level. Um, even Jesus with his disciples on the boat and the storm's going on, and they're being pushed everywhere, and they're like, what do we do? And he speaks to the storm, and he says, peace, be still, and everything calms down. That's kind of what we tend to think of when it comes to peace. It's taking something that's like elevated and like getting it back to like, you know, levelness. Uh, but it's really, it's way more rich than that. And I talked about this last Advent, um, as far as like what is peace. But the 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 word for peace in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they both they both mean the same things. Um, it's it's about something being whole and complete. Um, and and because it is whole and complete, it's it's in its state of its highest well being. Um, if you were to go and watch the, a lot of you guys are fans of the Bible Project videos and uh, a lot of stuff that, that those folks are producing. Is, it's so good. Uh, the, the, some of the examples they use would be like if you had a stone that had no no fractures or cracks in it or anything, it was completely whole. 
And that stone is in a state of peace, a state of shalom. Um, if you had a wall made of, of bricks and there were no bricks missing, there were no big cracks in the wall, it was like a solid brick wall with no weaknesses in it at all, then the wall was in a state of shalom. Um, at one point, Job, uh, in the book of Job, he's counting his, his flock and they're all, they're all accounted for. And so his, his estate is in a sense of shalom because everything is right where it should be. Um, parents, you go, you put all the kids in the, in the car and you like, before you take off, you like look in the rearview mirror and you do like a head count. If they're all there, your van is in a state of shalom. If they're not all there, you're not in a state of shalom. It's a problem. Um, those are all kind of some of the ideas of like wholeness and completion, but, but it gets even more intricate because you're talking about, uh, shalom with, with people and we are complex. There's a lot of moving parts within us. And uh, so Tim Keller uh, is a pastor in, um, in New York City. He, he uses the idea of a, of a fabric that uh, if you have a blanket, it's, it's hundreds and thousands of all these like, uh, interwoven uh, threads that make up a fabric. And when the all, everything is all woven just right and the blanket, let's say, is exactly as it should be, that it's in a state of shalom. And if, uh, if something happens to it and uh, if the dog starts chewing on it or something and rips a hole in it, then the tears in that fabric take the shalom away. And he says our, our, our human existence is a lot like that. There's a lot of moving parts with us, a lot of threads, a lot of relationships and work and um, uh, the to-do list and, and just all, all the things about us, all our emotions and our, everything. It's all, all woven together. And when it's all woven together as it should be, that we're in a state of peace. There's wholeness. There's shalom. And then sometimes something comes in and rips it, you know. And when that tear comes in, we go from peace into probably maybe chaos or disorder, um, and it removes the shalom. And so it's it, it's all those all those ideas. It's 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 something being whole and complete and just as it should be. And it's also if that thing had become uh, in a state of disrepair. That someone came in and mended it and put it back together as it should have been in the first place. So something either is at peace or it has been restored to peace. And so when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he could also say, blessed blessed are those who repair and restore what was fractured and unraveled. Blessed are the uh, AC repairmen who come into your sweaty house and find out what's going on and fix it, right? Blessed are the mechanics of our world, the Patrick Wilsons of the world, who are able to be like, oh yeah, it's just the this, it's just the flux capacitor, you know, that kind of thing. Like, um, blessed are those people who can, who, who can find all these moving parts, they can figure out what's wrong, and they can fix it. Those are peacemakers. We are relational peacemakers, that God sends us into a world that is full of unraveling and disrepair, and says, go in, and uh, represent me, be my ambassador in those settings. So, what what is unraveling around us? Well, um, as I said earlier, I don't know, find something that's not unraveling around us. It seems like it, everything is just kind of crazy. Uh, of course, we have the uh, the uh, results of the election now that people are are processing. Um, when I was preparing this week, I really didn't think by this point we would have any sort of answer, and so I was kind of thinking we were coming into a who knows scenario and now we're not. And so everyone's, you know, there's like some folks are really stoked and some people are not stoked and everyone's kind of figuring things out. But in terms of like the political climate, 
regardless of which side you know came out ahead, the numbers were so close to each other that it just shows that politically we are not a unified front. You know, which we we've known that right. Every time there's an election, it's just a, this reminder of like what we're divided. And so there is some unraveling happening in regard to the election. Some folks are at peace. Um, some folks are uh, unhappy in coming unraveled. And some are a little too happy in coming unraveled. You know, like those extremes are not very good. And so it could be a political thing, and that's where most of our minds go. But there's other stuff unraveling around us, right? COVID has people unraveling. Um, it is like, who would have thought we'd be so divided over a virus, you know? But that, like, leave it to humans to find something to get in disagreements about. Um, we become so divided over COVID, and that has us all unraveled. Um, uh, the sin of racism in our country has, has like, been such a divisive thing, which is weird to me. I think we'd all be, we should all be on the same page about this, this is wrong. And, you know, but, no, we're divided on that. Um, but, but there's also stuff that isn't so much, like... On the list of like chalk it up to twenty twenty being crazy, you know, there are there are uh, relationships um, coming unraveled all the time. There are are marriages in crisis. There are friendships in crisis. There are uh, parents who have kids headed down really difficult roads and they don't know what to do about it. There's uh, family members and friends who no longer talk to each other. You know, there's 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 all kinds of tears in the fabric uh, relationally. Um, there's uh, Plenty of stuff with with career, with economy, with uh, those kind of things. Um, addiction, substance abuse, pornography, entertainment addiction. There's all there's these things that folks have, have that seems like it has a control over them, and that creates that chaos and just it it's just tearing them apart from the inside all the time. Um, idolatry in so many forms that you really don't have time to list them all. Uh, Mental health things, emotional health things. I mean, I, I could keep going. So, so this is not exclusively about how are we going to address the, uh, how are we going to be peacekeepers in regard to the election. This, this spreads out into all of life. It's about the people in your pathway, the relationships God has given you. And every person in your life is not going to be in crisis or in a state of, of unraveling. But God's going to bring you to some who are. And it might be about the election, it might be about COVID, it might be about racism, it might be about relationships or friendships or addiction, or it could be all, any of the things or any of the ones I didn't list. So this is, not a, this is not narrowed down to peacekeeping about election stuff. This is just being a peacekeeper as an ambassador in general. God has sent us in, just like uh, AccuTemp sends in the AC repairman and Patrick Wilson comes in to fix your car. He has sent us in to those folks who are coming unraveled and we get to represent Christ in the midst of that. So the first thing is we have to have an understanding of peace. He doesn't send us in just to like get the emotions down to where like, okay, is everybody calm? Okay, everybody's calm? Okay, now I can move on. That's not what we're going for. It's much more rich than that. How do we bring people back to wholeness? How do we, how do we repair what's, what's been torn? How do, we, how do we be true peacemakers? First thing, you got to know what peace is. So let's say that let's say that we're all just we have in that ten minutes we've taken the concept biblical concept of peace downloaded it into us and we're one hundred percent on the same page um, and you're scanning through your life and you're going through and God's like this person is unraveling 
and you're going to be a peacemaker. Uh, what do you what do you do next? Well, the next thing you do is the second point is you have to be at peace yourself. You cannot be in disorder and chaos and go in and be a peacemaker. It doesn't work that way. Um, it, it's it. You don't have a. You don't have the objectivity to go in. So you have to kind of get your own ducks in a row. You have to make sure that you're in a good place yourself. So look at James 3. This is some of what he is saying there. He, he gives us kind of two, there's kind of two paths, right? Um, verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Okay, we'll come back to that in a minute. But, this is verse 14, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Okay. That last verse is one of the most true, I mean, things that I've read in a long time as far as like, oh, I feel like that just describes our world. Let me read it again. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So what he's describing is someone who is out of order. There is chaos there. There's, there's fractures, however you want to think of it. Um, and it's because there is uh, jealousy and a self-centeredness that has you like clawing your way in an ambitious way to kind of further your own name or your own agenda. And you look around our world and how much of that chaos and disorder with folks um, can be rooted back to the self-centeredness and the comparison and the envy and trying to keep up with each other. And there, there is all that stuff about our world that absolutely creates disorder and creates chaos. And so he presents that, like that is an option. Um, and if you, if that is you, if you're caught up in that, if you're looking at yourself and you're like, man, I'm all out of order, then he's kind of helping you see where maybe some of that has begun. And then he gives us the other, the other option, verse 17 But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So the wisdom from the earth that is unspiritual and demonic, uh, that wisdom has you comparing yourself, being jealous and doing whatever it takes to be like ahead or number one or makes you feel good or whatever. And it leads to all kinds of disorder and craziness. The wisdom from heaven is someone who looks at themselves, it says in the meekness of wisdom, that has the humility to say, I've got to have God's help, because God knows what to do and how to do it. I've got to have God's help in order to navigate through the crazy world that we live in. I've got to, I have to have God's help in order to be pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial, sincere. So he kind of presents two, two options. If you want to be a peacemaker, you have to be at peace yourself. If you want to be effective as an ambassador of Christ in those relationships, then you cannot be chaotic. Chaos recognizes chaos, and they just fuel one another. 
In James chapter 1, verse 5, he says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. What great news. Like if, if you are in a place where the wisdom of heaven is flowing into your life and you are in a state of shalom and you're ready to go be a peacemaker, fantastic. But if you're not, James says, we just got to ask God for help. And he's got tons of it. He's so generous with it, he'll give it to everyone who asks. He'll bring you, he'll bring you from those verses of disorder into that verse 17 where you want to be. As a son of God, every man in here, as a son of God, you have no, there's nothing in you that points to chaos. It all points to peace. Every woman in here, as a daughter of God, nothing in you gives gives you over to chaos. Peace is what he has given to you. Jesus says, I'm going to share my peace with you, and it's not like the peace in the world. I'm going to share it with you. So as his children, that's why Jesus says the peacemakers will be called like sons and daughters of God. Um, so that is, that is ours. And so don't settle for disorder and vile practices. Ask God for wisdom uh, to bring you or to keep you in that place where you, are, you yourself are in, a, in, you're in shalom, you're in wholeness. So first we have to know what peace is. Then we have to be at peace ourselves. The third thing is that we then enter into relationship with those who are uh, unraveled. You can't, you can't be a peacemaker from far away. Here's how I know it. That Jesus left heaven to come be a peacemaker. That's how I know that's true. You got to show up in person. Peacemaking is interpersonal. Um, as much as, uh, I, I mean, it's very easy to beat up social media, but uh, you're not going to probably be a really effective peacemaker via social media. It's probably just, it doesn't really work that way. I think that's possible. Some, some folks are, are doing that, and I, I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but percentage-wise, the likelihood of your sole peacemaking ministry being online as a peacemaking influencer, probably not the way it's going to go. It's probably going to uh, be an interpersonal thing. It's going to be with the people that you work with and that you live with and that you're friends with and that you're related to. And it's within the context of the relationships God has given you. Um, You enter into those things in order to be a peacemaker, just like Jesus entered into our world. Um, Look at verse 18 in James 3. Right after he describes the wisdom of heaven, he says this, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay? Harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, you're a sower of peace. This is an ag uh, metaphor. You're, You're planting seeds of peace in the hearts and minds of the people that you're with. Um, Proverbs 6 which is kind of the Old Testament counterpart to James in some ways. Uh, Proverbs 6 talks about sowing seeds of discord. So as an ambassador, you you can think of yourself, I'm going in, I'm planting seeds in people's lives. I can either go Proverbs 6 and plant seeds of division, or I can go and be James 3 and plant seeds of peace. Sowing seeds, it's a patient work. Ask anyone who has ever had a garden 
or as a farmer or anything else like that. It's you don't you don't do that from afar. You get you get in there. You tur- you till up the dirt and you you know you do all you do all the things. You know the things, right? They don't do that from far away. Farmers get in there and they get dirty. And that's a lot of times what happens with our relationships is we have to get into the nitty gritty with people. We enter into those relationships. If you want to be a sower of peace, you have to do it up close and personal. You're in the middle of it. So you you get in your mind, this is what peace is. You get at peace yourself. You recognize the people that that are in chaos and you enter into those relationships. And then what's the last one? You just bring the goodness of the gospel of peace. It's, it's simple. You know what peace is. You've experienced peace, both the peace that Jesus brings in the cross and in the like alignment of the wisdom of heaven. You um, have entered into the relationship, and now you just get to be an ambassador and represent your king. So if Jesus was in this relationship, if Jesus was having coffee with this person or dinner with this person or standing in the parking lot after work talking with this person or whatever it is, if Jesus was in this conversation, what would he do? And you just do that. We know from watching Jesus' ministry as a peacemaker that Jesus spent time with people. So you spend time with the folks who are coming Unraveled in whatever area of life. Jesus, like he was, uh, I have a couple of things I wrote down. Like one, he was interruptible. You ever notice that about him? Like he was, he was never like, hey, and I don't have time for this. You know, the disciples were like, get the kids out of here. He's like, no, 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 no. Bring those, bring those kids here. You could interrupt his life. He was okay with it. Loved it, actually. We see him sharing meals with his friends. We, where they're having like talk about real things and not just you know really shallow things. Um, we also see him having meals with people who are not his friends, like with strangers or uh, folks that society had pushed to the side, or they said, "Oh, religious people, a rabbi shouldn't be eating with people like that." Like he shared meals with people. Uh, a, a sharing a meal is like you want to talk about like a peacemaking environment. Like it's super powerful. Um, he is a great listener. He would share the truth with people. Um, he wasn't in a hurry. Oof, that one always that one's always tough. He wasn't in a hurry. He was busy. He wasn't hurried. You know that's why he was interruptible. That's why he um, was patient. He he his life wasn't overscheduled to the point where he didn't have any margin or time for other people. And it's easy to say, yeah, but it was the first century. But no, it's the same. It's same today. You know. That's not a good excuse. Uh, he didn't shy away from hard things. Uh, but when he did say hard things, he was full of grace as he was being full of truth. Uh, I could just keep going and going and going and going. Um, but when he was with people, he was with them. Now, if, if trying to imitate Christ is, if that's like too mind-blowing, you know, and there's just too much, the Gospels are so dense, they're so full of so much, James who was James, uh, Jesus' half-brother, uh, sums up a, a pretty nicely in James 1. He says this, um, Know this, my beloved brothers, this is verse 19, 119. Let every person be, here's three things, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. 
You want a good summary? That's what, that's what the Proverbs do really well. It's like, hey, let me take this big concept and put it into like a little bite-sized chew. Here's one for you. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. If you can be that in the presence of someone who is coming unraveled, uh, that's what sowing seeds of peace like will look like. Because you're listening to them. Um, you're not trying to like get your words in. You're not arguing with them. You're just listening. And when you do speak, like you're able to like, choose your moments. Um, and even if what they're saying, like if it's just completely contrary to what you think or believe or whatever it might be, you're not like it's not like incre- make, making you angry. Like uh, if they come in and they're on level ten, you don't have to also be a level ten. You know? The inverse of those things has created a lot of problems in our world, hasn't it? Like people, instead of being slow to anger, they're super fast to anger. Instead of being slow to speak, they're way too fast to speak. Instead of being a good listener, they're not hearing anything that you're saying. They're just ready to fire their next like missile, right? It's created so, so much of a problem, and so we get to go in. We get to enter into those relationships, and we get to bring what they might not be getting from anyone else in their entire lives. Is an ambassador of Christ who will listen to him. I mean, I mean, take a little side caveat. It's not like a biblical thing. It's just like a cultural thing. Um, but it's something that we've talked about in Mending the Soul, which is our, uh, it's a rec- recovery group uh, ministry for folks um, who have been abused in different ways. And it's awesome and everyone should do it. Um, we talk about, it's a phrase called spiritual bypassing. And it is, it is when we sidestep actual pain uh, because we either don't know what to say or uh, we're afraid we're saying the wrong thing or it's just too awkward. And so we kind of like, uh, this person just unloaded all this stuff. And then we say something that's, it might, it might be true, but it's just like, uh, you know, um, here's some example. Uh, God's in control. You know? um, God works in mysterious ways. Don't be sad. God's got a plan. Um, my brother's uh, brother and sister-in-law's house flooded in Nashville a couple years ago. He and I were sitting on their front porch, been working like dogs all day long. And as you guys know from flood recovery, we're covered in sheetrock and mud and just garbage. And uh, just exhausted. And this church group pulls up and they're like, y'all want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? We're like, do I? And so uh, they bring us this like stack of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and uh, gave us a card. And on it, it had uh, this verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. Now, Romans 8.28, 100% true. And 99% not right in that moment. We, when you're trying to minister to someone, we can't, we can't bypass their pain by throwing a cliche at them. That's what spiritual bypassing does. Um, we can't sidestep it. We have to go right into it. And, and even if, even if all that you say is like, I'm so sorry, that, that's terrible. <laughs> if you tell them, oh, hey, just talk, talk all you want. I'll, I'll sit here and listen as much as you want. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean that you, you're not their counselor. You're not, you don't have to go in and like fix everything. You're, you're, you're going in to represent Christ who most of the time would listen. Be present and would share truth 
as um, as it was appropriate. So um, we sit with them, we listen to them, we walk with them, we long suffer. Uh, you let them feel what they feel. You you validate pain. Um, you look for ways to gently remind them of what's real and true, and you follow up afterwards. And um, that's just sowing those seeds of peace and wholeness. And you're showing them how things ought to be. Because you know how things ought to be? Someone ought to be there to listen to them. That's how it ought to be. It just isn't in our world. So we offer that to them because they have a God who wants to sit there and listen to them. They have a God who wants to hear everything that they have to say. And we get to go and represent that and remind them that God cares about what's going on. It is an honor to represent him in the unraveling lives around us. It is an absolute privilege. And granted, sometimes it's intimidating. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm not, and the, the, that's not the pressure. The pressure isn't on the farmer to like produce a harvest. He's there to just sow the seed and to do everything that he can to make sure that seed is successful in taking, taking root. And so we get to do that with people. And so we, we understand what peace is. We get, become at peace ourselves. We enter into those relationships and we do what Jesus would do. We bring the goodness of the gospel of peace. We go in because God came to us. He says, there's this hostility here that doesn't need to be here. Let me mend it. Let me take what is come unraveled. Let me fix it. Let me, all these moving parts, something is going wrong. Let's figure out what it is and let's heal it. And we just get to go in and represent him and bring his truth and let him do what he does. Because he's the peacemaker. Like we go in as the peacemakers, but he's the peacemaker. You know? He's the one that is doing all the heavy lifting. He's the one that is doing what they need to be done within them. We just get to be the conduit for that. And so I hope this has given uh, the first service and the, uh, this service today has given us all some things to think about. You might already have some people in mind. You might, already, you might know some people that you're like, yeah, this, this person is, is in disorder and this person is in disorder. And God has definitely called me to a, to a peacemaking ministry with them. But it isn't peacemaking of like, hey, are we good? It's peacemaking of like helping them come to shalom within their own lives. And the starting point for all of this is recognizing what Jesus has done for us. We wouldn't even know what peacemaking is if he hadn't come and done it and shown us. So what you always do is you study the original so that you know what to imitate. And so the more deeply we understand the peacemaking ministry of Christ, the more we know what we get to walk in. He goes ahead of us and paves the way. And so um, for whatever application this has for you, that's yours. Um, but we, as a group, like we are peacemakers. We lock arms, and we're going to sing some more. And we're not going to actually lock arms, but you know what I mean. Like we, we're connected. And then when we're, when we're done and we bless one another, we go, then the peacemaking mission continues. And I hope that this will send us out in a way that is, is equipped and like better. But the best thing that we can do, really, is have the peacemaking of Christ first and foremost in our hearts and our minds. So we're going to sing a little bit as we kind of let all this
come together in us before we launch back out. So let me pray for us as the musicians come back to the stage. Lord, I'm thankful for um, for all your goodness to us and all the ways that you trust us. Uh, you trust us with your kids who are uh, struggling and who are just in need of that good father to come to them. And So I pray, God, that you would help us when it comes to actual like putting this into practice in those relationships. Um, but the starting point for us is a, is a deep embrace and understanding of the peace that you have brought through your son. And so as we sing and um, pray and whatever else we need to do, Pray that all this would come together in a way that is honoring to you, in a way that you have in mind. Uh, We love you very much. We thank you that you loved us first. And uh, pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.